becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Technology is transforming the way we care for our seniors in some amazing ways. Diane's special guest this week, Satish Mover, founder of Care Predict, is here to tell how artificial intelligence is being used not only to deliver better care and keep our aging parents safe now, but to predict their future needs as well. Parents Are Hard to Raise is now available on Spotify and its 180 million monthly subscribers. Parents are hard to raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. Those of us working in the clinical setting know firsthand that most healthcare crises don't just happen out of the blue. There are subtle changes that take place, typically for quite some time before problems make themselves known. Many of these subtle changes in a patient's daily activities and behavior patterns are so subtle that even a trained observer might miss them. Which is why the technology this week's guest expert has developed is a literal game changer for the health and well-being of our aging parents and for those of us who care for them. Satish Mova is the founder and CEO of CarePredict, the first wearable technology specifically designed for seniors aging independently. It looks like a stylish piece of jewelry, but it's actually a very sophisticated smart device that senses and analyzes a person's routine activities, like bathing, brushing their teeth, washing their hands, eating, drinking, and how well they've been sleeping. The device is so smart, it even knows where the person is as they move throughout their home and can automatically alert caregivers and family to any potential changes before they become emergencies. Like I said, it's a total game changer, and I, for one, am glad the technology is here. Satish Mova, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Diane, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, thank you. So what inspired you to start Care Predict? I started Care Predict even though I didn't mean to. Okay. I started it because I had a personal problem that I was trying to deal with. My dad's now 91 and my mom's 80. Wow. And back in 2013, they were going through a rough patch where uh, no matter how many times I called them during the week, when I showed up on that weekend, I would find something different that I was not at all uh, prepared for. And more often uh. than not, um, that, that particular issue would end up me taking <clears throat> either mom or dad to the yard that day or, or, or pretty much cancel all of my work schedules for Monday or Tuesday so I could take them to the uh, physician's office for follow-up visits and so on. Yeah. And uh, it became very difficult because I had no idea what my schedule would look like. And it was always with a sense of uh, trepidation that I would right. visit them on that Saturday not really knowing what was happening. So, for example, you know, I would show up on a Saturday and dad shuffling. 
And dad's shuffling because he has all this water in his ankles called edema. And in a 91-year-old guy with edema, he's going to be in the cardiac unit in 24 hours with a a cardiac issue because the heart cannot keep pumping blood through all that fluid-packed tissue. So these were all emergent-type things that I had to handle. And that's when it struck me that I could no longer rely on mom's observational powers to keep dad safe and vice versa because she never even noticed that his gait had changed from stepping right. to shuffling. I know. We can all relate to that. <laughs> and that's when I decided that I really needed some kind of a monitoring system to figure out what's going on right. uh, with them and give me some sort of a heads up so I'll have some certainty in my life. Um, raising parents is is very difficult. And if you can get to a more predictable model of uh, what's going on and when, uh, it's just going to make your burden a little bit lighter. We all carry this huge burden. Anything that will help us do it with a little less uh, stress is going to be welcome. When I looked and saw what was out there uh, for this uh, monitoring of people in their homes, what I found was 40-year-old technology. Right. Uh, people were using motion sensors to detect occupancy in a room. They were using switches to find out if the refrigerator door opened and closed or the toilet flush handle went up and down. And the problem for me was that these technologies were not built for a situation where you had more than one person in a, in a home. Right. And I had two. So mom, it could tell me mom was in this room or it could tell me people were in this room or that room, but not who was there. It couldn't attribute activity to an individual. And then the biggest issue for me was that, you know, it the, the leap of faith it asked me to make. Yeah. Just because a refrigerator door opened and closed, uh, I have to assume that they ate. And that's a huge leap of faith, yeah. uh, especially if you see, you know, our parents, uh, aging at home, it's a low stimulus environment. They tend to be very bored. They tend to have aimless wandering and walk around. And they open and close things. Doesn't right. really mean that, uh, you know, that they actually perform the activity, uh, correlating with that particular switch or refrigerator door or what have you. Right. So how, now how does the whole, the system work? I know there's, um, like a bracelet you wear around your wrist, and and uh, could you take us through that and tell us? So the system works um, to the system works by uh, having a wearable device that goes on the wrist of the dominant arm. So one of the failings of the older technology was there was nothing to attribute activity to an individual. It was rooms and places and things that were being monitored, but not the person. Right. So I knew that I had to make our device something that's uh, on-person, on-body type device. So we chose a wrist uh, device, an on-wrist device that uh, looks very pretty. It looks like a piece of jewelry. And it goes on the wrist of the dominant arm. And the reason it needs to go on the wrist of the dominant arm is because it actually tracks the activities that the arm performs. Is it brushing teeth? Is it uh, brushing hair? Is it lifting a fork of food or a chopstick to the mouth? Or is it a drink sip? And those are really important things to know and measure. Right. Um, and and it uh, also tracks where they are in the home. So are they in the bedroom, the bathroom, uh, the kitchen, and so on. And the reason we do that is the kind of room you're in defines the kind of activities you normally engage in. 
So, for example, if we see that you're in the dining room and we are seeing the arm move in a pattern that's indicative of lifting food to the to the mouth, we can then have a very high confidence that we've tracked that activity correctly and we know that you're eating. Right. And so it's important to know what kind of a room you're in. Now, you could eat in the kitchen, you could eat in the dining room, but it's highly unusual that you would eat in the bathroom. Right. Um, so, so it helps in, in, uh, in really giving us more confidence in our uh, algorithms and tracking abilities. And so we take all of this data <clears throat> and we put it into uh, what is called a deep learning neural net, which is an artificial intelligence technique yeah. uh, that collects all these data points and understands what the person's normal baselines are, and then it looks for anomalies. Uh, so, for example, if the normal activity pattern is mom wakes up at 7 in the morning in the bedroom, goes to the bathroom for 10 minutes and goes to kitchen and then the living room, but today she woke up like normal, went to the bathroom like normal, but then came back and laid down on the bed again, our system can send a soft ping to me saying, hey, mom might not be feeling well. Why don't you call her and see what's going on? Right. Uh, so it gives you that peace of mind without you uh, – necessarily invading your parents' privacy and, and and saying, you know, how many times did mom go to the bathroom? That's not the point. The point yes. is really the system is monitoring all that. And it's telling you when you need to engage with your parents and then, you know, and then figure out what's going on by talking to them and communicating to them. So it's, it's closing that gap between you not knowing anything at all to giving you that little heads up that says, now might be a good time to reach out to mom and find out how things are. Now, it, are, are there privacy issues with this technology? Yes, uh, there could potentially be privacy issues. And, uh, you know, and we spent a lot of time thinking through this. So when you're tracking somebody in the home and when you're tracking which room they are in and things like that, uh, um, you know, you, you want to make sure that data is protected, that it doesn't go to people who doesn't need it. Right. And we really built the system not for an individual to keep looking at the dashboard and seeing, you know, how many bathroom visits happened or how much time was spent in the bathroom, but for the computer algorithms to watch and monitor that. There is no human in the loop. And so the computer algorithms are the ones looking at that. And then they come back and they say, um, you know, your mom now has very unusual bathroom patterns. And these patterns are indicative of, uh, of an approaching urinary tract infection. And so you can then just react to that prediction that there's potentially something going on without having to know about mom's particular bathroom patterns. So that's how we built it. We were, you know, I built this for my own parents. And so privacy was top of my mind. Right. And that's how we approached it. We let the computer algorithms be the ones that look at the private data, but only surface the insights that allow you to intervene as you need to. We'll be back with Satish Mova, CEO of CarePredict. But if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, I'm going to tell you about something that you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6 foot 4, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. 
Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. There are so many new ways to listen to our show, it's hard for me to keep track. Spotify, Roku. You can listen on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, and even just ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Please share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show and show them a new way to listen. A big shout out to Lauren from Anderson, South Carolina, who listens to the show on Alexa. That's great, Lauren. Just tell Alexa, play the show for you. And Giovanna, a medical doctor from the city of Arezzo in the beautiful Tuscan countryside. I love Arezzo. Arezzo. (laughs) There goes my New Jersey accent. Giovanna listens on her iPhone through Apple Podcasts. And she showed a colleague how to do the same. Prego, Giovanna. So we're talking to Satish Mova, the founder and CEO of CarePredict. This is some such great technology, Satish. What are some of the hurdles, though, you find with technology in the older population? That's a great question, Diane. I think uh, some of them are the expected ones and some are the unexpected. So, for example, we expect uh, that the older generation uh, who has not had experience with this level of technology right from childhood would have difficulty using it. So, for example, uh, a smartwatch, it's, uh, it becomes very hard to use it as we age due to manual dexterity issues or visual acuity issues. Uh, but I think the the other part of it is also that 
the apps and things like that today require so much more familiarity right from the beginning with technology yeah. that we find that it takes longer for them to understand how to use it. Yes. So into all of this, we cannot bring in just a generic consumer type of technology because it's really geared and, and targeted for a different generation that has a much deeper fundamental familiarity with technology. Uh, I think we continue to see that, which is why you see a lot of products for seniors tend to be, um, you know, things that are very specific to a senior, whether it's a jitterbug phone with <laughs> the large numbers and the large screen, or whether it's a, a pendant with a life alert, just push one large button and it works. Right. Uh, I think those are the typical problems we see with uh, uh, hurdles in technology. The other part of it is also that technology has progressed to a great extent. Um, so that some of the things that are out there, such as AI, deep learning, and art, you know, artificial intelligence and so on, are coming up with some really uh, incredible advances that seem almost like magic. And, and those are things that take a lot of acceptance uh, to, to accept and, and, and take them at face value and, and find the utility and value in them. I know my mom, I was just talking to it and, and, you know, I give her a lot of credit. She has an iPhone and, you know, everyone has showed her and she's gone to the uh, Apple store, I mean, to be shown and, and, um, the, you know, she called me yesterday and, and, uh, someone rear, rear ended her, her car. Um, she was driving somewhere and she said, you know, I, I had to go into a store because I had to call the insurance company. But, you know, you have to press, there's no keypad. It says you have to press one, two. She says, and you can't do that when you're talking on this phone. So, you know, and, and the poor thing, I mean, yeah. she's 89 and she's really done pretty good. And I said, well, there is a way, Mom. Oh, there is? Well, can you show me? Can you tell me? And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't tell. It'll take me four hours to explain it to her on the phone. And then, it, you know, it, she probably won't remember. So I'm like, next time I see you, I will, you know, show you how to do that. Oh, and then she's, and if, if you've listened to my show, you know, she, her sidekick, Joe, she's like, Joe, see, there is a way. And my father's like, I knew there was a way. <laughs> you know, He's like, but I just didn't have the time to try to figure it out. So um, right. it is. I mean, but, it, you know, there's. <laughs> I, I, I can relate to that. My <laughs> parents are very much like your mom and Joe in that sense. I mean, we gave my mom an iPhone. And and it's it's that old scarcity, uh, you know, mentality of folks coming out of the depression and so on. Right. They want to conserve the phone, so they turn it off most <laughs> yes. of the time. They only turn it on when they want to use it, and it's yes. inside a handbag. And I'm like, Mom, yes. you need to put it on you all the time. <laughs> I know. My mom was going somewhere, and I said to her, because I know her it'll be her cell phone will be off in her part and I'm like mom she goes call me call me I go you have to keep that cell phone on and handy oh I will I will I'm gonna hold it of course no did that happen no I can't get her you know it's just but it's just what can you do you know it's like uh you know the um the uh key fobs you know my dad he doesn't 
use it because he doesn't want the battery to wear out. <laughs> exactly. It's a post-depression scarcity mentality. Yeah, it's just you know, like, this, this generation has been through world wars and whatnot. They know how to conserve. Right, exactly. And, and, and they still bring it, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, um, Care Predict, is it just in the U.S.? Um, yes, actually, this uh, up to now we are just in the U.S. and Canada. Okay. We just started expanding into Asia. Our first installations in assisted living facilities and memory care are going live in Japan wow. on January first. Oh my yes. gosh, that's great uh, because we have a huge uh, audience in Japan and Asia, so that's wonderful. Yeah, uh, absolutely. What we were surprised with, Diane, was that aging is a much bigger and much urgent issue, much more urgent issue in the Asia area because they've had this negative population growth for a very long time. They have a huge number of aging folks and not enough caregivers. Right. So they're all looking for a force multiplier like CarePredict that can help the fewer take care of the, the many. That's wonderful. I mean, uh, now... Um, is it just are is the system just available like in assisted livings um, in uh, you know continuing care retirement communities or is it available directly to the consumer? Um, so when I started the company, I started it with you know people like myself in mind, adult child of a senior. Right. But along the way, we gravitated uh, more towards uh, assisted living and Alzheimer dementia care facilities only because it would be much more easier to go outfit an entire facility and and get 150 seniors or so on the system and start uh, you know better better refining the product and making it better suitable. Uh, but we've come to the point now where we are going to be launching our first pilots direct to consumer starting October 1st. Oh, wow. So we are, yeah, and we are doing that in two markets, uh, in California and Florida, to see what we need to learn to make it a much more smooth and easy to operate device for folks living at home. Uh, it'll be a much more simpler application, very easy to set up, more consumer-friendly mobile and smart apps for uh, for the caregivers and the family members to look at. And it'll be much more easier to self-install the system as well. And we hope to take that learnings uh, by the beginning of next year and take it again throughout the country for B2C as well as partner with others, uh, you know, big box retailers and things like that to get it out on the store shelves or get it out into the channel um, by the middle of next year. And we'll be doing the same in Japan as well, as well as China and in South Korea, uh, all in the first couple of quarters of next year. That's that's fantastic because, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking, <clears throat> you know, people can, you know, people to remain home, um, <clears throat> you know, that's wonderful. I mean, just this week, I, ha I had a, a poor client. He lived alone and, um, you know, he had care in the home, but he was alone uh, most of the time. He never married, never had children. And so his uh, brother's his sisters, actually, and, and brother-in-law, they all kind of tried to take turns, you know, helping him uh, in conjunction with the care he was getting in the home. And, um, you know, uh, his 
home health aide went in on Saturday evening, you know, as she normally does, and she found him, you know, unfortunately, he had fallen and hit his head and he fell face down and he, he had already died, you know, he was alone. And yeah, and I mean, so, you know, this is fantastic, you know, for people, um, because he didn't have yeah. he he needed twenty four hour care, but he didn't have the funds to do that. You know, and ever, and yep. you know they the family paid for what they could, and they tried to take turns. But you know you you know people can't be there all the time. And oh, absolutely. You know this absolutely. is this is a perfect. Uh, that's a heartbreaking story, and, and that's exactly the kind of situation we are geared to uh, to to provide our services through. So for example, with CarePredict, not only can we predict the likelihood of somebody falling in the next couple of weeks, but if they do fall and we can trigger that fall alarm automatically, so it goes out to the care circle, whether it's family or neighbors or whatnot, so they can do a quick wellness check. So even if you're incapacitated and cannot push the button to call for help, we can do that. We can predict things like, you know, what is the likelihood of somebody going into uh, urinary tract infection over the next four days? Or what is the likelihood of somebody heading into a depression seven days from now? Those are the kind of things that we can predict. So you have enough time to intervene so you can prevent those from happening. And, you know, it it breaks my heart every time I hear a story like that, Diane, because that's the kind of stuff we were built to try and prevent. This is such an, you know, this is fantastic. How how can um, uh, people contact you? Please tell us. Um, certainly from our website, it's uh, www.carepredict.com and uh, through our sales lines as well, 800-608-7188. Satish, thank you so much for telling us about Care Predict, for uh, inventing it and, and making it available to people who do need it. Thank you so much for being here. Diane, thank you so very much for this opportunity to tell the world our story. I hope you got something out of this episode. I know I certainly did. I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them in. You can reach me at Diane at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. You can remember there's so many new ways to listen to our show, and you can still please subscribe to our show on iHeartRadio. Listen Roku, Spotify, iPhone users can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Android users on Google Podcasts, and always remember, tell Alexa you want to listen. Please do me two favors. If you think, if you know someone that you think would be helped by this show, please show them how to find it. And also, please give our show a five-star rating because that will help people find the show. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast producer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week. Thank you.